Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to a new episode of Audio Signals. Get ready to take a journey into the known, the unknown, and everything in between. Recorded at no specific point in time nor space, ITSP Magazine's co-founders Marco Cipelli and Sean Martin follow their passion and curiosity as they venture away from the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society to discover new stories worth being told. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. All right, and here, here we go. This is Audio Signals. This is Marco Ciappelli. And uh, for those that listen to this show before, uh, it's not about the usual conversation that we have on ITSP Magazine. We don't have to stay at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Although, it's very hard these days to stay outside of those conversations. But Today, we, we may touch on that, but uh, it's actually something that I was interested when I, when I saw this book, which is called Stop the Nonprofit Board Blame Game. And I'm like, wow, nonprofit, usually uh, it gives this idea that it's all for goods and everybody's smiling and happy and volunteering. But I guess there are boards and uh, people, and when there are people, uh, you have to probably take it as a as an organization, look at it from a different perspective, and maybe to look at it in that way, you need to be either inside of it, part of it, or look backstage and have the experience to analyze what is good and what is bad. And of course, I can't do that. I'm I'm part actually on a couple of nonprofit as a volunteer, but I'm not part of the board and. Uh, so today, yeah, you guessed it. We're going to talk about nonprofit, and I'm going to do that with Hardy Smith, which is uh, our guest today. How oh, Hardy, how are you doing? Marco, um, I'm great. I'm, I'm looking forward to a visit. I, I think we're going to have some fun. Thank you for the opportunity to 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 share a little bit about the world of nonprofits and the nonprofit board blame game uh, with your listeners. Oh, I'm very excited about it because I I love to learn. Right? I mean, uh, you cannot know everything of course but it's good to to be inspired by something that uh, you know you don't know much about it but it's like hey it would be good if we all understand a little bit better we don't need to become master of the trade or expert but we can get an idea and i think with audio signals that's what we do you know we're curious about something it's kind of like a one-on-one on uh, non-profit so let's start with you a little introduction about yourself and how how are you so qualified uh, to write a book about it? <laughs> uh, well, Marco, that is a that's a heck of a lead-in question. <laughs> um, we we could go for days, I think, on that one. Uh, it's been a very interesting uh, interesting journey uh, to get to this point, uh, but it's all been very uh, very purposeful and and uh, gotten me to a good place. My, my professional uh, career background is uh, 30 years of experience in the high-performance world of NASCAR racing. And so I am not someone who comes from a career in the world of nonprofits or, or the social service sector. 
And I think that has that has served me well, um, especially uh, in developing this particular book, Stop the Nonprofit Board Blame Game. Because from the world of, of NASCAR racing, what I bring into the nonprofit sector, Marco, is uh, I, I would categorize myself because, because of my background and my training as a, I'm a pragmatic contrarian. So, you know, in NASCAR racing, you, you, if you win the race, uh, your team is going to tear down your car, tear down your engine because they want to find out why, you know, why did you win? So they can be sure to replicate that the next week at the next race. And if you finished second through 40th, you consider yourself a loser And so you want to tear down your engine and tear down your car to find out, to make sure you don't replicate whatever uh, contributed to you not winning. So I'm, I'm very much used to accustomed to uh, looking for results, the finding out the why and why does something work uh, the way it works and and how can it uh, be better? And so I bring that, that mindset into the world of nonprofits and, during my NASCAR career, I was working with nonprofits, associations, chambers of commerce all over the country, both as part of my professional uh, duties and for my personal uh, interest as well. So that's that's the background of, of how I got to where I am today. You know, I, I love what you set up, apart from the fact that we're going to have to talk about that we're going to reap the cars no matter what, either you're successful or not. I think it's a great metaphor. Otherwise, it's kind of like, well, I did win. And I'm not just talking about cars. I'm talking about anything, you know, sports, business. It's like, yeah, I'm successful, but I don't know why. Well, how long is that going to last, right? Can you, can you understand what you're doing and obviously what you're doing right? And if you're not doing it right, yeah. Wrap, <laughs> open the open the hood and, and check out what's going on. So I, I love that. And my, my question that it's exactly immediately referred to that, meaning it seems to me that by leading this way, you have something to say about maybe nonprofits organization not digging into the way they run their own business. Let's call it business. You're correct, and 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 you you're you're very uh, very astute and very good, very quick observer and, and and learner of the situation at hand, Marco. Um, in the in the world of nonprofits, um, the 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 sector tends to follow uh, best practices, and and my my challenge question to nonprofits is, well, are those, uh, quote, best practices producing the results that you want? And quite often, the best practices one organization follows, Marco, is something that they see some other organization doing. Um, And and maybe they went to a conference, they went to a training session, they heard uh, somebody on a podcast talk about an idea. And so a best practice may or may not be a best practice for a particular organization. 
You know, it's only a best practice if it works for you. And, and my challenge question to the challenge question is, well, if, if those best practices you're following aren't giving you the results that you need, why do you insist on continuing to go down that path? And that's what I discovered um, in, in, in as far as board, relation, board member relationships go with the nonprofits they serve. And that discovery is what ultimately led to the book. Well, that, that makes total sense because obviously, you know, what works for an industry may not work for another. I mean, that's, that's right. pretty intuitive. And the fact that you're a nonprofit doesn't make everything the same. So let's talk about the board. Because again, a, a lot of people may look at a nonprofit as a lot of volunteers with one goal in mind and they do something. And I can see that when it's a small local community, nonprofit organization. But when you think about international, national level, it's not an easy business anymore. So I'm leading you into why there is a board and what, what's the role of that board? Is it the same as the one on a, on a commercial entity? Well, in the... Um... Uh, it is somewhat the same as a commercial uh, entity, but but the main difference is in a in a commercial um, uh, you know organization, uh, a a board is answering to in, in a publicly owned corporation, uh, the board is looking out for the best interest of the uh, shareholders, the stockholders. Um, so those are the, so those are the, the, the members, so to speak, that's who the board is looking out for. And of course the, the success of the company. Um, but in the world of nonprofits, uh, the, the owners, shareholders, if you will, um, of the particular nonprofit, and it's, it, it could be from a local to, to an international level organization. And I, I work in all, all of those levels. Um, well, the ownership, uh, Marco, are, is the constituency that's being served. So it could be, um, it could be senior citizens, it could be uh, children, it could be animals, it could be the environment, you know, whatever the cause is, that's the constituency that the board is, is committed to look out for. The, the, the term for all of that is, uh, and also they're making sure the organization is being run properly. That's all called governance. And so the governance responsibility is the number one responsibility of a nonprofit board. Let me ask you something. You said you deal with many and, you know, yes. in, your, in your career, and you were dealing with many even when you were not actually dealing directly as, as part of it. But you know, from the other side, from the NASCAR side. Yes. What define success for a nonprofit? Because the first thing that comes into mind is successful because it raises a lot of money. All right. But my, my point is then, what, what do you do with that money? 
Right. So how how does a nonprofit define success and if it is different from the way it's defined into a business? Well, in, in the corporate world, uh, success is going to be a return on investment. So how much money did you make? Um, and are you growing market share or are you meeting uh, stock expectations? In the world of nonprofits, it's it's what is the the impact you're creating or you're having? So it's not necessarily about raising money. The measurement that the amount of money being raised is not necessarily the measurement. The amount of money being raised is a mechanism for achieving the particular goal uh, that your organization has. And that's how you put yourself on the screening of the constituent. Like, okay, I I gave money. I am a volunteer. I subscribe to this because I care about the environment. And then despite the fact that they do have a lot of money, they may not do this. And so the question is, what can go wrong then? Why are they not performing? Well, from from an organizational standpoint, uh, the world of, uh, unfortunately, the world of nonprofits and the, the social sector, um, there are a number of examples of, of individuals, of organizations whose intent is to do good, but there's a lot that can go wrong when you're trying to do good. And it, it uh, short of uh, legal issues and, and actions that are not considered appropriate, you know, uh, misappropriation of funds, so that kind of a thing. <clears throat> but um, so that kind of set aside, but you can, you can not achieve su- the success that you want, not achieve your mission statement, simply because you're following those practices that are not uh, good practices. You, you think they're best practices, but, you know, kind of going, calling back to that comment earlier, uh, but they're not best practices for you. You're not getting the results that you want. And one of the key things um, is that, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, Marco, a, a board and the board members should be considered a high value asset. And that's where a lot of nonprofits, in my opinion, go down the wrong road. They, they have a group that um, they have a high expectation for, but don't use them uh, properly and in an appropriate way so that they maximize the benefit of, of what they've got, the talents and experience and the passion that board members typically bring. So why? <laughs> is, it, is it a lack on the, let me define yes. the question. Why, why is kind of uh, pretty open, but you know, why the members do not perform? Is there a lack of incentive for them to perform? Are you, is, is the question about board members? Uh, both. Board members I mean, who's, whose fault is <laughs> if, the, okay. if the board members don't perform, let, let's try to okay. get to if there is a pinpoint, a balancing act, what, what's off there? And, th- and then we can go into what we can do to make it work. All right. Well, again, uh, very, very astute question, uh, because 
answering that question is exactly what did lead to stop the nonprofit board blame game, the book. And, and so the, anyone familiar uh, who works in is, is a professional or a volunteer is well aware of the longstanding uh, complaints and the frustrations that are, that are shared uh, all focused on a lack of, of engagement uh, by board members. And that, that focus is usually coming from the, the organizational uh, standpoint. And so I, I've, for years, I've seen um, you know, articles written, books written, heard speakers, uh, attended training sessions. You know, why don't board members do what they're supposed to do is just one of the top issues um, that nonprofit professionals are constantly complaining about and, and wanting to know the why. Well, when I got into my research to answer that very question, why don't board members do what they're supposed to do, Marco? What I found out was that board members, good board, board members who started out being great board members, good board members can get turned off. They get turned off because they're not, they're dissatisfied with the board experience that they're having. And they, uh, my research has shown that there are a number of very specific actions that in, in the minds of board members that the board or the organizational professionals commit these actions that cause them to be dissatisfied with their board experience and, and their board service. So now all of a sudden, what you what the reality is, you've got the, the organizational professionals are pointing a finger of, of accusation of lack of performance. And in some cases, uh, it's not a question, Marco, of uh, not enough engagement. It's a question of too much engagement when the board member crosses the line of, of appropriate responsibility. But so you've got the board, the organizations that are upset and equally you've got another finger of accusation uh, of fault uh, pointing from the board members to the organization. So those two fingers pointing at each other, professionals pointing at board members, board members pointing at the organizations and, and the professionals, that's where the blame game comes from. That's the blame game. So the, the fact that these uh, situations do exist, so it's actually both the board members or it have some fault to share and the nonprofit professionals have some fault to share as well. And then what you've got is a stalemate of performance. The organ, the board's not performing like it's expected to, and the organization isn't achieving the results it would like to achieve. And what is the the alarm? You know, the 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 lights that goes off or on that tells you there there is a problem, right? Because we're being very generic here, so maybe some case study well, can help. You don't need to make name, of course. Uh, to tell names, but some 
concrete example, maybe and an anecdote that, that you've been living yourself? Because I know that you're the one in this case that is called to open the hood and, and take apart the car. <laughs> I'm going right. to go back to the NASCAR many times here. And so what, what is the first thing that you look when you are hired to, to look for this problem? Well, the, the first thing is, is in, in when I wrote the book, and, and it is different in the world of nonprofits. It is it is totally different. Um, and it, the reason that it's different, Marco, and the reason that it's become an Amazon bestseller, getting such a great response, and I'm certainly appreciative of that, is that I wrote it from the board member perspective. And that's something that's different. No one's listened to the board members. I listen to them. So they explain, they answered the question, for me, here's why we don't do what we're supposed to do. And then so I flipped that around and said, here's the, you know, no one needs to be told, okay, you have a problem. What they need to know is a little bit, okay, here are these problems. Here are the reasons why the problem exists. So that's different. And then what are the solutions? And that's what's different. So a couple of, of, of key things uh, to look for. Um, when you're trying to figure out, okay, what is specifically the situation and what are the fixes that are need? Number one is to take a look um, at the organization's um, recruiting process for new board members, board candidates. And because quite often board members who, who are serving already on the board, current board members, are looking at other board members in the room and, and, and they're slackers. They're not, they're not upholding their end of, of the, of the, the commitment. Right. And so they get disillusioned. Well, here's three board members and they, they don't show up for anything. They're not helping out. They're not raising the money that, that we said we would raise. And so why should I try hard? You know, so that kind of, that, that affects everything. So the question is, do you have the right people? And then how do you get the right people? Well, it's one of those failed best practices all over again. It's a rinse and repeat. Too many organizations don't have the right people. And they, they, they wait till the very last minute. They don't recruit board members with what I call intentionality. And Marco, by that, I mean they don't put any forethought into who future board members should be. They wait until the very last minute when a, maybe a board term, board member's term is expiring and okay, there's gonna be a vacant seat and they just go grab whoever is the first you know, live body that'll tell them yes. And they don't explain, this leads into the next issue, uh, because they're in such a hurry um, and to just fill a seat, they're more interested in filling a seat then they are getting a qualified board member who's really gonna help make the impact that they really want. They don't take the time to clarify the expectations of a board member. And so by not communicating the expectations, and there's a reason for that, it quite often, if, if, the, if this is a high performance board, and the qualifications, the expectations are 
you know, it's going to, it's going to be a heavy lift, right? You know, it's going to take a lot of effort and work and commitment to do what's being asked. Well, one of the reasons that you don't have this conversation in the recruiting phase of the relationship is too many nonprofit leaders believe that candidate might say no, and then you haven't filled the seat. So the, so the approach is to look, let's just get them on board and then we'll tell them later after they, you know, so after they, you know, so how does it work out in a relationship? Uh, you know, you're, you're dating, you're, 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 and then you, you, you want to take a next step and more permanent, more long-term, right? And, and, and you see some, you see a few flaws, you see some things that you would like to talk about that you would like to, where you would like to see the relationship go. But you say, you know, I'm going to wait till we get to the altar and take care of the I do. Then I'll lock them in. Then I'll go back and explain what's expected. Hey, you know, how well does that work out? Well, there's a, there's a reason why the divorce rate uh, in the United States is what it is, um, right? So it's the same thing. These are these are all relationships, and so you you haven't recruited with intentionality. You haven't focused on what it is you're looking for your board members to do. You haven't achieved clarity and acceptance on what the expectations are, and now all of a sudden you're stuck. And I, I, I call it uh, being, uh, you're having board members who are slot fillers. They're not really quite nice people, good people, but they're not the ones that you need on that particular board. So not having the right people is a top, top issue as far as uh, the reasons that board members don't do what they're supposed to do. It's, it, it's, it's predictive. The outcome is predictive. So I, I made a few points in, in my head and a few notes here because I just had not too long ago a conversation about inspired leadership and how it was very similar to what you're saying, meaning company will hire an expensive CEO because it was very successful, let's say, in the entertainment industry. Sure. That they hire for, I don't know, a tech or a healthcare. And this person comes in, is well qualified for that, brings his own team of people because they like to work with the same right. team. But all right. of a sudden, they don't understand the business or even worse, they're not passionate about it. So the, the, the key words that I wrote down here is future, change, strategy, and long-term. And long-term and future goes together. But to, to, uh, to build a question out of this, I'm going to go with you have to – so you have to get somebody that is passionate about what that nonprofit is passionate so it doesn't get bored to it. Somebody right. that can think in the long term because it has to adapt to changes through – societal changes. I mean, I always think technology changes, but of course those come with cultural changes as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and to have a strategy. So if you don't know where you're going to, where you want to be in 10 years from now, you can hire the first person to walk in the street because he knows as much as you do. Right. So sure. 
Are, are these part of some of the tips? Because I, I want you to get into some of the tips to actually get the right members and make the car win. <laughs> well, um, it's really interesting. Another great question. Um, there is some very compelling research uh, done by uh, the organization Board Source. And I'm a member of Board Source as a, as a disclaimer. But uh, Board Source does a lot of research around uh, board engagement, uh, uh, you know, just the world of boards. And their research, Marco, shows there is a significant gap in expertise, uh, skills, um, experience by nonprofit board leaders. Now, let's let that soak in just a moment. So quite often, you know, who who was going to be uh, typically um, a, uh, the, a, a chair or president of a nonprofit board? Well, they're probably pretty, I mean, pretty much it, it you know, they're going to they're going to come from from outside the nonprofit sector. They're, they're, those are the volunteers, as you said. So they're coming from highly likely the business world. Just because you run the top company in town uh, or regionally or nationally doesn't necessarily mean you're going to bring the same success from the corporate boardroom into a room full of volunteers who are also your peers. So if everyone, if you look around, if, if our listeners today just look around, have a mental image of your boardroom, if everyone there uh, is, is the top CEO in their company or an executive level uh, individual in their company, those are peers. You know, when you're trying to, when there's a, when there's a need to lead by uh, consensus and a need to create a culture of collaboration. So it's, it's leadership inspired, to use your term, inspired leadership by um, asking, not telling. So in the corporate world, there's a whole lot of telling, right? Because the, the person at the top who is getting paid those big bucks you alluded to, well, that's why they were hired. And so if they, a lot, quite often, you know, if they, if they want their opinion, they'll ask you for it or they'll let you know what your opinion ought to be. So you, you kind of, you, you do what that, that CEO um, is, is, is instructing you to do. Well, in the, in the world of nonprofits, when it's all volunteers, it's a whole different world. Here's another, another piece of that. Uh, that creates to that gap. Just because someone has been um, the chairman or a board president of several other organizations, don't assume that they were good at it. You know, what kind of results did they get? Um, you know, I, I, I know from back in my younger days playing sports, you know, my, my coaches would always ask me, Hardy, are you practicing to get better or are you practicing and just reinforcing bad habits? Mm -hmm. You know, so there's a whole big difference there. So is that incoming? What, 
So the question is, what don't assume is the statement, is the challenge statement. Don't assume the person who is about to ascend to the leadership role on your board um, is is has the, the what you need. So evaluate that. What experience do you need to help them get? Uh, maybe they should have served, you know, along the way to prepare for that ascension to the to the top role is uh, serve on committees, chair committees before chairing the board, uh, leadership roles within the board. Uh, what about the education of that particular nonprofit and how nonprofits work? Is there a conference they need to attend? What about facilitation with with do do they need to get some skill development in the art of facilitating, especially with peers? Um, and remember, from a governance, we, we talked earlier about governance. Part of that governance role is to ask questions. It's to challenge. Um, when I talk about myself being a pragmatic contrarian, well, it, it, it's all in a positive way. It's a, in a constructive way, not a deconstructive way. So board members should be expected and allowed opportunities to question and challenge. So, but to keep all of that moving in a positive direction, does that chair have the facilitation tools that they need? So that big gap is a very real issue in the world of nonprofits. It makes sense. I mean, you have the people that work the floor. I'm going to say work the floor. I'm thinking like, you know, even if you're the CEO of a, of a large company and you're, you have a consumer product, you want to know why the salesperson thinks that that product is not selling. I mean, you always I feel like you need to get that feedback. So, yeah, you're paid the big money to give answer, but... I totally agree. You need to ask question or, and this is my, my question before my last question is how much valuable, and you kind of mentioned that by sitting at a lower level, but how about actually coming up from the, the field? Like if you can't just ask, is there, I mean, I guess, are you a better manager if you did mature from the bottom of the organization. Certainly, experience matters. And so, you know, one of the, the key things in any, in any relationship, uh, the most valuable, most important, essential element to help create long-term relationship success is communication. And it's not just communication, it's good communication. And a step further is effective communication. So from, a, from an organizational standpoint, it's not about uh, another email or another report um, or another newsletter. It, it's not about more. It's about are you being effective? And that's one of the, the leading causes for board members to become disengaged is they, they point that finger of blame in the blame game on poor communications. Um, they don't want to be surprised. Communication isn't considered adequate enough. Um, it's not uh, considered uh, to be done uh, with proper timing uh, being considered. 
Um, it, it communication um, can stand a great deal of improvement by simply understand who you are communicating with. You know, organizations uh, forget, uh, you know, okay, we're, we're pumping out data, we're pumping out information, uh, but they tend to forget. Again, visualize those individual faces around your nonprofit's boardroom. Every single individual um, has a different personal preference for how they want to be communicated with. Um, you know, text messages, emails, written reports, lots of data, videos, backup data, more reports and more reports, um, a phone call in advance, uh, the timing they prefer. Um, and so it, you have to understand who you're communicating with and what kind of information they, not only they, you feel like they, they would want, but what kind of information do they need to be able to perform their own board governance duties. And so, you know, effective communication, making sure you have effective communication practices is so critically important. And one final thing, the most important part of good communication is what? It's listening. So are you listening to your board members? So when they, these high value assets have ideas and suggestions and questions, they want to feel like they're being listened to. And if someone in a conversation, in a relationship uh, conversation, if someone is being, a, a, their comments are being acknowledged, um, the other party is, is being an active listener. Well, the person that, that's doing the talking feels like they're valued, they're important, they're appreciated. So all of those things come into the mix and helping create a board that meets engagement expectations. That's the fantastic point to, you know, to kind of wrap this because, uh, you know, I agree communication is, is key. And, and talking about communication, I'm going to go with my, my last, uh, let's say, lead to you to, to pick your brain and express your idea about the the future of nonprofit, and I'm I'm going to touch connecting with the communication you mentioned, email, you mentioned, you know, and I'm thinking like there is so much technology nowadays that you can use. You know, I mean, we we use it even too much, right? <laughs> but do you feel like that? It, Using the right tools, the, the new technology, and you come from a very fast-paced technology world, NASCAR, yes. where everything is all five minutes ago. Right. So for nonprofit, are they going to have an edge in not competing with each other? Because I don't feel like nonprofit compete with each other, but an edge into succeeding by tapping into the technology that is available instead of thinking old school in a way. And so... Based on that, quickly to wrap it and, and feel free to make a pitch about your book as well, is is there a role for technology and, and what's what's the future of a successful nonprofit from your perspective? Well, that's you know what a what a great question. Um, so you're on a hot street with great questions, Marco. Thank you. And, yeah. You know, the world, <laughs> the world of technology, um, 
uh, is here. And, and that's where that's where we're going to be. And it doesn't matter. Nonprofits or for profit corporations. It's it's that's who we are and where we are and where we're going. I you know, my my thoughts about um, the 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 situation of, of everyone dealing with covid and going to uh, remote meetings and away from from gatherings and everything is by remote. I think in a lot of ways, uh, dealing with the pandemic accelerated what was already coming. And so, you know, we're going to and, and a lot of a lot of the change um, that is occurring now and and futurist would would be predicting for what's what we can anticipate uh, to be coming next is, as far as technology use of technology goes is it's going to be generational it's going to be driven by generational so you you know the, the 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 baby boomers you know like myself uh well you know you saw me struggling trying to get the audio setting uh, just for the patio <laughs> uh, podcast here so um but the 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 younger generations in the pipeline are much more adept They've been, I just wrote an article about, about are, are nonprofits ready for Gen Z board members? So think about that. Um, they, they have been raised. They, they, they only know the Internet. They only know, you know, what my generation used to call a telephone. But now it's, it's a handheld computer device that, that is the entire world, uh, literally in the palm of their hand. So uh, communications, uh, how you raise money and, and gather data of, per, of, of prospective donors, um, how you uh, record that data, how you, how you manipulate in an appropriate way, is my disclaimer, uh, the data, the use of that data. Um, meetings, are, are, is the typical board going to meet once a month in person? Uh, or um, will it all be by some, uh, you know, online portal or, or platform? Uh, could it be hybrid? Um, you know, all of those things. And it's certainly happening that way as far as meeting portals and platforms uh, on, a, on a, you know, like a state conference or a national, international conference. So all of those things are happening. And I think it's going to, uh, greatly accelerate creativity, and and you've got to. Uh, we're probably talking, you know, having a conversation now, and you know, next week, next year, five years from now, who knows what the technological advancements will have occurred, and will help you uh, be better uh, and produce a better result. Uh, for the organization you're working to serve, you know, so it's very much a part of not only the future, but it's very much a part of, of now today. Yeah. Well, beautiful point. I'm a generation X. So I have lived both world myself. So, <laughs> uh, and I, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have a lot of conversation about the changes in society because of my background and, and the conversation with technology. And I'm like, when, when you can compare analog with digital, maybe you can understand it a little bit better, right? Because you're not native of that. Right. Right. This said, 
I almost want to invite you back on another channel to talk about that, yeah. how we implement technology. So stay tuned with that. For now, we, we, we hit 43 minutes of a beautiful conversation. I've learned a lot that I didn't know. I'm hoping the audience did the same. And I guess the invitation here is if people listening are part of the board or part of a nonprofit, sounds to me that Stop the Nonprofit Board Blame Game book that you wrote should be should be very valuable right so here's my pitch for your book absolutely and, thank uh, you. yeah and a, and a big thank you for taking the time to talk with me and we will share all of these links to anything you want to share hardy your social media your website and everything in the podcast notes and uh for everybody just stay tuned for another episode of audio signals i don't know what we'll talk about but I, i'm assuming it's going to be fun as this was so hardy thank you very very much marco thank you and i certainly uh, appreciate those in your audience who are in the nonprofit sector thank you so very much for all this, of the special work that you do thank you absolutely that, that's important to highlight thank you very much We hope you enjoyed this episode of Audio Signals. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society, and some even beyond that.